God makes man responsible for believing and confessing. As we see in verse 11, whosoever believes, whosoever calls shall be saved. See, there's a responsibility that we have. There's a responsibility to call and to confess. So in this process, there is another responsibility that we'll see today, that there is a responsibility to effectively communicate the message of God, the message of the gospel. And that responsibility is to preach. We will spend a little time to see what the scriptures, what Paul is intending, what he's meaning to get to this place of believing, to get to this place of trusting in the Lord for salvation and calling upon him, confessing him as Lord and King, there must be preaching. Would you agree that we must be preached the word of God? See, that word simply, as we look in the scriptures, that word uh, means to proclaim that we would proclaim the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so would you turn with me, our scripture reference for this morning is found in Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 14 through 15, proclaiming the truth to provide a convincing argument of this truth. And it reads, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. The title of our message today is How Beautiful Are the Feet. As we think about this idea, how beautiful are the feet, I think there are some things that Paul is mentioning to us that makes it beautiful, that makes it something that should be adored, something that we can gaze upon. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, we have a pretty clear picture of how the gospel spreads to all the people of the world. Paul tells us Jesus sends people who will proclaim the gospel. That this is God's plan and God's plan for getting the gospel to the world. See, he could have chosen a different method, but he decided that we would be involved in his plan. Some of you may be thinking, you know, but pastor, what do you mean we? That scripture says preacher. It didn't say me or us. And yes, there is a calling. There's a spiritual gifting and even an office as a preacher. And we see Paul instructing uh, Timothy in the ministry of the gospel. And he tells Timothy to preach the word. And he tells him to preach it with boldness and authority. But Paul is not so much talking about the office here but more so about the act of proclaiming the good news. And so the word must go forward to the whole world. And so we see something in other scriptures that I'll share a little bit today that gives us that idea. You see, the New Testament church of God 
operated as, and I, and I use this word loosely, average Christians, because there's nothing really average about Christians. But as Christians are coming, begin to play a dynamic part in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel message in the middle of great tribulation. Would you turn with me to Acts the 8th chapter, verse 1 through 5, and we see an example of this. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1 through 5, after the Holy Ghost had come, and remember Jesus told them that, uh, that he was sending a comforter, he was sending a helper that would lead and guide them to all spiritual truth. And he told them that they would have power, and he gave them the great command and the great commission. And then here it says this, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And here he's talking about Stephen. Stephen is standing before many of the Jews of that day, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He uses words like you broad and stiff-necked generation. He speaks words to them, and he shares the cutting of the sword of the gospel of Jesus Christ, so much so that they mashed their teeth on him. And so Saul is there watching all of this happening, watching them stone Stephen, watching them not wanting to hear so much so that they're covering their ears with their hand, but he's proclaiming and he's preaching the gospel. And do you know that uh, in nowhere does it say that Stephen was a preacher, that he was, had gotten an ordination letter or anything like that, but he was a faithful man of God, that he was a servant, that he was willing to serve others. And when the opportunity came, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Saul, who would become Paul, was consenting unto his death. And at the time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So they were scattered abroad. The apostles weren't with them. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. I would challenge you to believe and to understand that they included every Christian that had confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There must not there must have not been a whole lot of seminars and seminary schools and ordination councils during this time that as the Holy Spirit came upon them and gave them the utterance that they would speak the word of God, that they would share the gospel, that they would share what Christ had done for them. Also, let's remember who Paul is writing to. Paul's writing this letter to the church of Rome. He's not writing to the preacher only. He's encouraging them 
to get the gospel out to those who've never heard it in Italy and Spain and the uttermost parts of the world. And he says, how are they going to hear and believe and call upon him if somebody doesn't go? Allow themselves to be scattered by God. See, sometimes we can think it's Saul and other people that's doing the scattering. But allow themselves to be scattered by God and to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. And I know this personally because he did it for me. He saved my life. So you've heard me talk about Pastor Hurd who preached the message of salvation on that day. But it didn't begin there. It began with people like Sister Montgomery. It began with people like Sergeant Brown who was willing to be persecuted and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was began with many of those Sunday school teachers and those VBS workers that was willing to sing with me, remind me, introduce Jesus to me. I remember singing the song, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And I remember my grandmama telling me that Jesus is the way. See, these are all beautiful feet. Maybe you have them in your life. Maybe there's some reminders that come to your mind about how others shared with you, proclaimed Jesus, made him high and lifted up, shared the good news with you. See, that word preaching and the definition of being a public proclaim, a proclamation or teaching it also means to earnestly advocate, that we would earnestly advocate what Jesus has done, who Jesus is, what God desires for the whole world, to proclaim the gospel, to herald. See, that word herald means to make a public proclamation. And so the preaching, the proclaiming of Jesus can take on many different forms. It can look like many different individuals. And yes, there can be a standing in the pulpit on Sunday morning, but also on the side of a road, in the middle of a workplace, in our homes, while having a cup of coffee, and even on social media. I, can, I know that's a little challenging to think about but it can even be proclaimed there and in the middle of great conflict and trials. And so we don't know all the ways and the situations that the Lord will use, but here's what the scripture tells us in 1 Peter 3:15. It reminds us to always be prepared, to understand that God is so desiring to us to be on the journey with him. 
to bring about his divine plan. And so 1 Peter 3, Peter spoke these, wrote these words, and he said this, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. The King James Version says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. It says, Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And so it tells us to be prepared, to be reminded of the hope that's within us, to understand that there's somebody that needs the hope that you have, that you found, because somebody preached and proclaimed Jesus to you. And at the moment you accepted him, you received that joy, unspeakable joy. And so that we wouldn't hold it to ourselves, we would share it with somebody. We would make the most of those opportunities. We would be readily seeking God to use us, that we would be able to proclaim the good news. See, and Paul wanted to remind us that that's exactly what the New Testament lays out, that we are ministers of reconciliation. That we are a royal priesthood. That we are a holy nation. That we are called to proclaim the good news. See, Paul was talking about ministers of the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 3. Paul asks the question, do we start this again? That only those who have this letter of recommendation, only those that are in the, the lineage of the Levites, do we start this again, that we just write, make all these rules to sharing the gospel? Paul gives this clear understanding in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 2 and 3. He says in this passage, you are the letter of Christ. See, so often if we're not careful, we want somebody to give us this letter, give us this permission. Paul says, you are the letter. Look what it says here. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. See, that word epistle means letter message ministered by us written not with ink but by the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart and so Paul says this I know in our modern society this, this can cause us to go whoa wait a minute pastor are we just supposed to run out there and, you know, say we have this self-license? Yes. Now, I want to be clear about saying that we don't go out there and, and uh, you know, start churches, making all of this, you know, proclaiming that, you know, we're self-proclaimed. But we are epistles of Christ. And so as God gives the opportunity, we are ready in season and out of season to give an answer 
of the hope and the glory that's within us. That we don't hold it to ourselves. And as we allow God to open the doors, and as God opens the doors, we're ready to share. We're ready to proclaim. So you are a living epistle, a living letter of Christ. Somebody needs to read God's word in you, written on your heart. But if it ain't written on your heart, you're not going to be able to effectively share it. It's so important that we allow God to minister to us. And then as he speaks to us, we speak to others. We preach the word at all times. And our word and our actions and our conduct. And if necessary, we use words. But let your life be a living epistle. But know that words are necessary too. We have to know the word of God to share the word of God effectively. And that knowing is just not a head knowledge, but we get it down in our heart. That it becomes alive in us. And as it becomes alive in us, we become compassionate for others and we become passionate about the word of God. And then we share it with conviction. We share it with, with grace. We don't make it a hard word, but it's a truthful word that when the truth comes out, it can come out hard. But it should not be our hardness, but let the word of God speak for itself. So how shall they hear without a preacher, and how shall they preach unless they are sent. So Paul rightly observes that it all goes back to the preaching of the gospel and preachers must be sent. See, this place that we have here at a church is an equipping ground. It's here to equip us for the work of the ministry. It's here to ready us so that we would be living epistles that as we hear God's word is being written on our tablet and we're taking that tablet out to the world. Not for us just to, you know, just to, you know, I, I love what I'm hearing, God speaking to me and, and, and me only. But it's a ready in ground for us to go and share the good news. And so the sending is by God and also the, the Christian community at large, our church. We send, we prepare, we equip. Now there's some formality in that as well. There's some formal when we send missionaries and we ordain elders and pastors and preachers for the gospel. Yes. But make no mistake about it that we all have a responsibility to be living epistles of Christ of the good news that God wants to use each and every one of us to bring about his perfect plan. Look what he says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, man and woman, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, 
unto all good works. Be ready. Be equipped for all good works. But you know, so often we stop at that verse. And Paul wanted to, as he was writing to Timothy, you know, he's, uh, of, of course, uh, this can be shared by all, but he, he said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. He said, I charge thee therefore before God. So there's going to be a charging as we allow ourselves to learn of God, grow of God. Sometimes we, we have this idea and we say, well, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what God's called me to. As you continue to grow in him, as you continue to love on him, he reveals that to you more and more. He opens those doors for us. Look what he says. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Who shall, excuse me, who shall judge the quick and the dead? Preach the word. There's a day of judgment coming. For those that are alive and those that are dead. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. And so folks like me have that challenge to equip us, to prepare us, to get us ready. But don't think that challenge and that charge stops with me. God is charging us. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Uh, let me speak to some parents. It's so important that you do this early and often. Allow the word of God to be your guide to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the righteousness of God in Christ. Be instant with it. When your kids like it and when they don't like it. In season and out of season. Okay. Reprove. Give them a allow the word of God to guide you in that strong correction, rebuke. Exhort, encourage them. There's going to be some hard times. There's going to be some long suffering. But teach them the doctrine and the principles of God's plan, the gospel of salvation. For there is a time coming when they will not endure sound doctrine. Anybody experienced that already? So you got to get in there early. You got to be a proclaimer. So that the word of God will take root. See, I'm so thankful I couldn't shake God's word that was placed in my heart. I couldn't get away from it. I tried to live my own life and live for me in the lust of the flesh. But each time I tried to get away, I felt this conviction. I felt this grieving 
in the spirit. I didn't know it at the time. But something just wasn't right. And I knew I needed to surrender myself to God and his plan. Because they'll go after their own lusts. Shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears? If we don't preach, if we don't teach, somebody else will. They will go and try to get it somewhere else. And it's so important that we do our part. How shall they hear without a preacher? See, God could have chosen any means for the message of salvation to come. He could have had an angelic messenger. We see a little bit of that in the Old Testament or directly working with humanity one-on-one. But he wanted to use us to spread the gospel, that we would be active and be a part of his divine plan. So that maybe we would have this same thought of others. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. That gospel brought peace to us. That we who were once enemies with God have been resolved. Broken down. We're no longer separated from him. And we remember those that shared the good news And we think it was beautiful. And so God allows imperfect vessels to bring about his perfect plan and will for our lives to others. Those who preach, those who come bringing the message of hope have beautiful feet. They are partnering with God for the hope of salvation of men, women, and children. They speak of the activity, the motion, and the progress of God. And those who are active and moving in the work of preaching the gospel have these beautiful feet. See, people get to see how God works to transform a life from old to new. See, there's people that probably knew you before you came to salvation. And they probably look upon you and they say, man... What happened to them? See, there's a work of transformation that only God can do. People get to see the beauty of our cracks and how our cracks are held together with something that cannot be seen by the natural eye. Our flaws mingled with our trust in him. That we walk by faith and not by sight. With the one who is perfect, who is holy and righteous. So not only get to see the work of transformation that's occurring in us, they not only get to see the work of faith and the cracks that we're trusting in him, but people get to see the radical unconditional love of God and how it looks and what it looks like through us. 
I remember one time as I was going into uh, the prisons in Virginia, this guy looked at me and he said, what's the catch? He said, nobody does anything for, not, for nothing. So why y'all coming in here, spending your money, making all these cookies, over 30,000 cookies, giving y'all money, spending four days, taking out y'all time. Y'all could be anywhere. He said, what's the catch? What's in it for you? And my response to him was because of his great love for me. I so want to love you and for you to know his love. There's no catch other than you knowing how much God loves you. People get to see the radical, unconditional love of God through you. How beautiful are the feet of those that proclaim Jesus is the answer. So let me talk a little bit about some ways the believer can effectively preach the gospel. Can effectively preach the truth of God's word. It's found in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 3 through 7. Paul talks about it in this particular passage to the church in Corinth. He says these words, give no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience and afflictions, in necessities and distress and stripes, in prisons and tumults, in labors and watchings and fasting, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by un love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, and by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. A lot said there. Let me break it down a little bit. He begins that passage by saying, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. See, he's telling us that don't be offended and don't be offensive. You have won, saints of God. You are adopted in the beloved of God. If the worst of the worst happen in this world, we still are better than we could have ever have imagined. We have won. And so he's reminding us, stop getting offended. Stop getting upset about things that just don't matter. In the grand scheme of things, in the, in the landscape of eternity, it doesn't matter. We get offended by things that we shouldn't get offended by, and we can be offensive. He's encouraging us so that the ministry would not be hindered. Don't be offensive. Are we showing the right light? 
Are we responding the right way? Are we preaching the gospel? If we, are we acting like we won, like we've been saved from the destruction of this world and that we'll spend eternity in victory? And so he tells us, give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. He goes on to say, but in all things, approving yourselves as ministers of God. See, he starts off by saying in all things, everything, the little, the big, the not so big. Are we studying to show ourselves approved? Are we ready in ourselves with the word of God? Are we knowing God's way over our way? Are we understanding God's thoughts over our thoughts? Because if we do, we'll be able to respond in every situation. Not react, but respond in a way that preaches the gospel. The love of God. And that his desire to reach and to seek and to save. He went on to say in much patience. He gave us some little things to think about. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. See, the author reminds us there is an approving, there's a taking of the test to show that we've been good stewards. We've been studying. We've been understanding so that our studying would now be put the test and we would pass the test. See, ministry occurs in every situation and every opportunity. It's not just on Sunday morning. But it's every opportunity that we have. See, someone is always watching, especially during trials, when we're going through some stuff. But it also can show the lack of our studying to show that we haven't been walking with God. We haven't been studying. We haven't been trusting. In just the way we respond. See, 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth, that we're putting it in the right place, that we understand it for ourselves. See, so he went on to say, there's some, there's some big things, too, that we want to respond the right way, even in the big things, when we have those just heavy, hard challenges in stripes, in imprisonments, in turmoil, when your world has just been flipped upside down. How are you going to respond? In labors, in watchings, in fastings. When you can't do anything but watch, what you gonna, how are you going to respond? When your hands are tired, you can't, you're not able. And maybe in your flesh you sure want to. But we let God be the God of all those big and little things. But in the next verse, he tells us how we should minister and how to preach or proclaim the gospel. 
by God's things, not our things, but by his things. Look what he says there, by pureness. See, the only way we get to pureness is through Jesus Christ, no other way. By knowledge, that's not our knowledge, but that's his knowledge. By long suffering, because he suffered long. He gave us an example of how to suffer through it all. By kindness, by the Holy Ghost, we cannot do it in and of ourselves. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. By love, unfeigned means unconditional, overwhelming. We just let it flow because it's God's kind of love. It's agape love. And by the word of truth, being ready to share his truth. By the power of God, he'll make a way. He'll give you the strength. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. At the armor of righteousness, the fruit of the spirit, God's word would be our defense and be what we can attack the devil and his kingdom with. That we're able to fight with one and defend with the other. So, saints of God, we all have an active ministry. We're all called to preach the gospel, to share the good news, to share his words in words and in our deeds. And that we take the opportunities that God has opened for us. Those opportunities to go and proclaim the good news and to show the love of Christ to the world around us.